0: again dear listener if you're hearing this now that means the show has begun welcome to find a previously recorded evening of storytelling and otherwise this episode took place on october 29, 2018 at the lido which is on the traditional ancestral unceded territory of the musqueam squamish and Slowtooth peoples or vancouver bc You'll be hearing from some of the excellent lineup of writers and comedians we had that night, including Leah Horlick, Cassidy Anhorn, Mallory Amaru, and Shazia Hafiz Ramji. And throughout the episode, you'll hear music from the Ashley Shadow Band, who you can find on iTunes and Bandcamp. The track we've started the show with today is called Tired. And we have a live show at The Lido coming up on December 20th, 2018, that you can come and check out if you like. I think it's going to be a nice one, but it will probably be chilly outside, so wear your mittens more info on all that, go to afineshow.com or follow us on all the social medias at afineshow. And I'm your host, Cole Newicki. All right, let's get on with it. Enjoy the show. Up first, we have Leah Horlick, a writer who grew up as a settler on Treaty 6 Cree territory in Saskatoon. She's the author of two books of poetry, Riot Lung from Thistledown Press in 2012, and For Your Own Good... From Caitlin Press in 2015, which is named a Stonewall Honor Book by the American Library Association in 2016. This year, she won the ARC magazine's Poem of the Year prize. Here's Leah.
1: so much. Um, I might need a minute. Do you need a minute? (laughs) How to read a poem after so much laughter. (laughs) It's not really what we do. (laughs) I've uh, never been defined before, which is very embarrassing because I live around the corner. So I'm really appreciating this foray out of the house. Thank you for supporting me. I feel really held. Um, And I thought in the spirit of the season, I would start with a poem about Harry Potter. I think we all know who the real MVP is, right? She has long hair. She has glasses. She never gets any credit for solving everyone else's problems. She's always there in a pinch. She lives in the second floor girls' lavatory. And her name is the title of this poem. It's Myrtle. (laughs) Who didn't feel badly for her? doomed to a wet floor, a damp echo for eternity. No trees. No one leaving you little rocks. No gossip, either. Just nerds who need your endless help. Won't stop talking about breathing in front of the dead. When I did crisis work, I wished they would give me my own bathroom. Every time I would go into a row of stalls to cry, I'd find someone else already staked out, sobbing. What could I do? I was on the clock. I was armed with Kleenex. Once I crawled, desperate, into a coworker's office and slid between the filing cabinet and a jade plant, I said, I am not here. You see nothing. I just need half an hour. You can't pee in your coworker's plant. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to give anyone aspirin, so I would forget it on the bathroom counter. Women with cramps, migraines, endometriosis would ghost in and out while we pretended not to notice. And there were those horrible yellow wallpaper type couches. I never knew what they were for. Fainting spells? Bad place to be trapped in the afterlife. At least you could lie down. Not stuck in the ticking pipes, creeping around a blocked drain, warning everyone about the enormous pair of eyes. When I finally found the renovated single stall with the industrial lock, I shut myself in and I sat on the tile and I cried until the motion light turned off. And then I cried some more because on the floor in the dark, the motion light couldn't tell I was there. I have some uh, new and former coworkers in the audience who've already had to listen to me talk about that story in a different context. So thanks for your patience, guys, you're your champs. This next poem is uh, about a feeling that I have about 11,000 times a day. Perhaps you can relate to it. It's called, I want, but I don't even want, but I want it. <laughs> I couldn't have counted on half these new priorities, good lighting, The idea of infused water. A friend who can talk to my houseplants. Who knew jealousy would come around so often, so boring? All day looking at photos, wanting shit I know I don't even want. But also knowing someday someone else is going to touch you and my left lung will collapse. Or something. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard my own brain say. But I still said it. I mean, when I think about my support system now, I also count the dishwasher. Dear God, you can turn a lot of caregiving towards a house. Bad, bad, jealous logic. Like if I slowly crush all these bits of mascara, highlighter, motes of pressed powder into the carpet, I know it will truly belong to me. Little competitions. I'm going to win, me and my one functioning lung, no matter who lives here the longest. I recently turned 30 and I'm still waiting on that part where I know everything. Those of you in your 30s uh, wildly misled me. <laughs> you can expect an invoice in the mail. and. Uh, This poem is about that, it's called Late Twenties. Both of these are in the queer issue of Room Magazine, which just came out. Uh, It took them 41.3 issues to have a queer one, so we're real excited about it. And I hope you'll come to the launch. It's November 9th uh, on Kiefer. It'll be ASL interpreted, it's gonna be a great event, and Adele Barkley will also be reading. Uh, Maybe I'll share this one again, but you can hear it for now. It's called Late Twenties. We're too tired now to talk about loneliness. Now I just keep a hard and soft arbitrary list of couples who shouldn't have outlived us. No particular reason, they're just not as good. It's just not fair. Some people find people, other people don't. Every couple of months I light the hard copy on fire, start again. The resentment is getting all calcified, a new body part. Late at night, the idea of another 25 years of menstrual cramps makes my cramps worse. Leaving the city, leaving the internet, sinking, creeping, exodus, nightmare fuel. New wishes, instant pregnancy for those who want it, a particular shield against Lyme disease, concussions, a shield around all of our parents. The height of all our new stakes makes me dizzy. She deserved that apartment, you bastards. She really deserved that job. It's time to stretch before we go dancing. It's time to adjust this medication again and again. It's time to meet another woman from the internet. We reached the critical point of allergies and debt, critical mass of back to school and eating meat again. Every day I make a point of saying, I love this place out loud as I leave the apartment, one hand sliding along the door jamb, lest it be taken away from me. Awful magical thinking as if Being grateful is ever an ounce of prevention now. After all that, who knew there are so many ways to not want to have sex? Caffeine still makes me edgy. Time is a sudden ravine. The first time I turn down the radio to try to find someone's house. The first time an adult memory is, that was 10 years ago now. (laughs) I have to see my friends as many times as possible before they all get married, oh God. I have to take a walk just to leave the house. I will pay you to say, you couldn't pay me to be in my 20s again, over and over and over. Thank you so much. I only have one more poem for you tonight. I have a couple of books for sale at the back. Thank you, person holding down the book sale table. Um, along with Port of Being by Shazia Hafiz Ramji, who we're gonna hear from later tonight as well. Um, This poem is called There Must Be a Name for This. How to feel like how you imagined the city. A blur of light steps out of a cab. Stem of a glass in a ring on a wet table. Slink, slink. Would it have been better if you moved into that little beehive level with the Skytrain? Whoosh all day. Glow all night, little hexagram, one stool, one door, two windows at an angle with the tracks, tracks, track, two windows. Rattle, rattle, good night all day. You imagined glass and water, heels and click, the film of alcohol across everything, city, city. Little dots of light, little swipes, a secret. Vancouver is actually a series of small caves, did you know? Saturday night aesthetic the Chevron station for yachts in Coal Harbor. Hovered out in the water, glossy black, little ring, orange light. How long did it take me to realize the white hot squares at the top of downtown are penthouses? How long did it take me to realize those very regular fireworks are private planes? Why can't I have, why can't I have, why can't I? What if we just kept living together? What if I just tried harder? What if I had moved to Toronto? All the women in this city say, I love you. They say, centered. They say, seawall. We go home and murmur, Toronto, Toronto, Seattle, Toronto in our sleep. (laughs) You don't understand. I have an obligation to a girl in a barn, to a girl in a car, to a girl in the forest. She says, get me out of here. She says, my own apartment. Is it possible to be dissociated not from me, but the city? Like, here I am, arms and legs. Here I am, oh, New York. Thank you so much.
0: Up next is Cassidy Anhorn, a local stand-up comedian, sketch comedy writer, and cast member for improv troupe's Prov and Uncle James. Her comedic stylings were once described as edgy queer humor, so she has decided to take it and run with it ever since. Here's Cassidy.
2: Hey, Fine. Um, I'm so glad that it's it's finally fall now. I really don't like the summer. Um, I'm really afraid of crows now. And uh, this happened to me in the summer. I live on a, a street that's like one of those, you know, crow nest streets, a.k.a. like every street in Vancouver. And... I was walking along and I just felt the wing of a crow just skim the back of my neck one day. And it was simultaneously the most terrifying and sensual thing that an animal's ever done to me. I don't know about that. Uh, people are always like, Cass, it's so brave that you do stand up. And I disagree. I don't think it's brave that I do stand up. I think it's brave that I do stand up while growing out a short haircut. Like, Don't, (laughs) don't apply for that. I'm just kidding, you can. Um, Yeah, like this is also a podcast, so I guess for people listening in in the future, uh, if I had to describe my aesthetic, I would say uh, like Snow White's gay sister. (laughs) Like Snowdeck, I guess. I can say that, I can say that, you can't say that. A lot of you could probably say that. (laughs) Not to make assumptions about this crowd. Um, Actually, I I slept over at my parents' house last night and I was leaving this morning and my sister gave me, like, a Rona bag with combat boots in it. So I was just carrying that around downtown and I was like, if this isn't, like, big dyke energy, what the fuck is? (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, I'm kind of, like, rocking a low-key power mullet right now and it's fine, but... I'm not. I'm not saying that your haircut like dictates your sexuality, but one time I walked into a room and someone was like, "Do you fix bikes?" <laughs> so, just saying. Uh, no, of course it doesn't. Because if it did, then all those sister wives they would be rocking the Ellen, because like that's that's the gayest thing ever. Sister wives? Are you kidding me? I want. I want sister wives. <laughs> I do. Um, I'm actually currently single right now, and my friends are like, hey, Cass, it's probably because you, like, uh, always go for straight girls. (laughs) And I'm like, probably, yeah. And I I get what it is, though. Like, I am to straight girls, sorry, straight women, as McDonald's is to drunk women. (laughs) And I can explain, you know? (laughs) Like, it's always, like, 2 a.m. when it goes down, (laughs) beverages have been had. They're always on the ordering and the receiving end somehow. They're gonna come at night, but they're not gonna come again in the morning. (laughs) And and it's not something they do frequently, but when they do, they're loving it, you know? (laughs) Thank you. Um, You know, it's 2018, and it's still hard to be a woman. Like, I just wish I didn't have any reproductive system altogether because I never want to be pregnant. Like, that's not really something I want. Like, the thought of something growing teeth and hair inside of me. It's fucking gross. No offense to all of you with teeth and hair. <laughs> I think you're disgusting. <laughs> and, like, you also then, like, having a period is really stupid. Like, I, we get paid 78 cents to the dollar and I can't resell my mattress? <laughs> There's something wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, puberty in general is just a weird-ass time. And they try to separate people so much, they're like, this happens to boys, this happens to girls. But I found one thing that happens to all of us that we can connect over. Like, whether you're a boy, girl, trans, non-binary, we all remember that adolescent time when we first found hair in our ass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I've been damaged goods ever since. I don't know about you guys. I've fucked me up. Yeah, it's like most women also remember the first time they were ever like hit on or catcalled. Yeah, mine, my, I have two vivid memories of this. They were both pre-finding ass hair. Like, that's how I divide up my life now. It's like pre-finding ass hair, post-finding ass hair. I and mean, it's like kind of philosophical if you think about it. Like, finding my ass hair. I found my ass hair. Chris, have you found your ass hair? Yes? Is that a yes? That's a yes. Okay, if you hadn't, I would have been like, you should be more adventurous when you wash your ass. I don't know. (laughs) Crazy. Anyways, um, I have two vivid memories. One time, uh, so I was like eight years old. I went to my aunt and uncle's cabin, and we're sitting around a table, and my one cousin was there with her, like, older boyfriend, like, very post-ass hair-finding, like, (laughs) older boyfriend, and he like winked at me really weird at one point. And as a little kid, I was like, I, okay, whatever. But now looking back, I'm like, no, that was fucking weird. Don't wink at a little girl, but it's fine because he's dead now. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's not, I mean, maybe he's dead. I, am, I didn't, I didn't check in. He's, I don't care. Um, the second time, uh, I remember I was like 14, I was wearing jean shorts and a tasteful cardigan. Not that it fucking matters. And I was walking down the street and this 1-800 junk truck pulls up next to me. This guy like rolls down his window and he's like, and I didn't think this day could get any more beautiful. And I was like, what, what the fuck? I know, I was like, okay, I don't get this. Like, not that I'm saying it's right, but with an ice cream truck, there's like an incentive. You know, it's like, oh, okay, ice cream. You know, I, it's not right, but I'm saying, but for, drunk, I don't want your junk. Like that's fucking gross. Like." I was too young to even like have my own junk. I did not want his junk. That metaphor was like too on the nose for him. You know, he should have had like a different vehicle. <laughs> not into it, not into it. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, so when I was in high school, uh, I started to realize that I was gay. Well, I guess earlier than that. I, my first crush ever was like Baby Spice from the Spice Girls. And I liked her and I was like, well, it's like more than a friend way. But it's like definitely not a mom way. So that was confusing, because then I watched Lord of the Rings later, and I saw Legolas, and I was like, kind of fits the same. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I went to high school, and then I started to realize I was gay, so I was like, well, I don't want people to know, so I did the opposite thing, and I became a cheerleader. <laughs> and that's like the one activity where you like have to look up someone's skirt for safety. <laughs> So I guess I was, like, brilliant. <laughs> I, I have this one memory of, like, being at a house party and just, like, dancing, having fun, and me shouting, I'm not gay, I'm straight. <laughs> I just was, like, offering up that information. And no one had asked. <laughs> just volunteering it to people. Yeah, uh, I after high school ended, I was like, I'm gay, fuck all you. And my one friend was like, yeah, no, I, I knew. And I was like, how did you know? And she's like, I told you when my birthday was and the first thing you said was, oh, cool, same as Ellen Page. <laughs> <laughs> February 21st, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what am I doing for time? Okay, Um. so I went to public school. Obviously, well, not obviously, but. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I went to public school, and I always thought my like elementary school was normal, but looking back, I'm like, oh, no, it was really weird. Like, My elementary school would have all these school-wide assemblies. It'd be like kindergarten to grade 7. They would gather us all the time. This was really frequent, and they would all make us do the Macarena together. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, okay, but now looking back, I'm like, that's odd. <laughs> and my only like conclusion to that is that like, everyone that run the school, around the school, was white, and, like, white people fucking love the Macarena, <laughs> and I know it's from Spain, like, I'm, I know, but North American white people, they, like, were, like, oh, my God, a dance craze that, like, involves minimal ass and a lot of stiff arm movements, <laughs> that's ours now. Does, like, does Gen Z even know what the Macarena is? Do we know? Like, how else are you gonna get the white people to the dance floor at the wedding? (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna end my set with a few haikus that I wrote for you guys. Um. Oh, thank you. You can snap if you want. I'm not telling you to, but you should. (laughs) Okay. Old men are so rude. They don't see me as equal. Shorter lifespan, huh. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Halloween is soon. Basing costume off my hair. Lord Farquaad it is. (laughs) This is my last one, then I'll go. Thanks for coming here. Wow, what a hot audience. Big Dyke energy. (laughs) All right, thank you.
0: Now we have Mallory Amaru, a maritime native writer and performance artist from Micmacy, Nova Scotia. She's the editor in chief at Discorder Magazine and lives and works on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Not related to the film with Colin Farrell, she is definitely a lobster. Here's Mallory.
3: so serious, though. <laughs> so sorry about that. Yeah, all right. So I'm from Nova Scotia. I'm a Maritimer. And yeah. Any other Maritimers in the house? Or what? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I, I think I'd like to share maybe a, a quick story about about home because I I miss it quite a bit right now, Um, especially when there's a seasonal shift. Um, The landscape seems to, well, it tends to reveal itself a bit more, it's ruggedness. Around this time of year especially, uh, it seems like everything uh, develops a noticeable edge. And I don't think that my writing is too far from that idea. So I'm gonna, as I read, I'm gonna keep this in mind uh, as if I was maybe home. And part of that is because I don't think that this makes a whole lot of sense, and I never think that the land asked me to make sense of it. Uh, Just asked me to be with it. So I guess I'm inviting you to be with me and not make too much sense of anything about that. Okay, yeah. So the title, there isn't one. I was thinking, like, small things still move, or maybe just ha. And I... uh, think that's appropriate since I'm just so fucking serious (laughs) alright I'll do my best to not take it all so seriously and you gotta help me by laughing a bit at me with me whatever you want (laughs) yeah so mornings alone and picking your nose is not the same thing as laying tobacco so I wipe it on myself a cavern of little slugs must be removed (laughs) huh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, all romantic interest Got between some organ and some fluid And I wonder if a new hobby is necessary Not desired, just necessary And maybe that's why dog-eared pages rarely get looked at again I think I might have an idea of where my love is stuck Because my left lower abdomen is craving a 12-ounce ladle of pine needles Maybe I should drink tea more often But it's bitter and I'm brine and I'm certain there's a little appropriation everywhere so hobbies are out of the question and I'll never love again. (laughs) I think I probably just wrote a song. But I'll never sing it because I'm too busy trying to find the couch to purchase. You can buy some things but you cannot buy pigment so texture is a welcomed relief. I'm looking for couch and, and ladles but I'm nervous to ask around, hi, hi. Hi, do you know of anyone selling a furniture couch with a hue of pine needle, tobacco, and cozy? Liquid game jerky fosh, aisle 12, next to the colons. It's later in the morning, though, still early, and I've listened to my fair share of melancholic music, so earplugs. Earplugs and wool socks, though. Wet towels really just fucking gross me out. I wonder if I'll be able to keep up, and I doubt it. It's not deprecations, it's fact between the page and us. It's like there's a whole ocean to look at, but the two of us wrinkle, bent over, looking at the shells and sea glass. We know the latter doesn't belong to the sea, but still she makes her mark, and this tragedy is why the collection is so competitive. I was trying to write about my lover, but ended up writing about my nan. Really? That was funny? <laughs> it's cool, alright. Yeah, the way I want to describe her fingers as twirly, so as to be more magic, less root vegetable. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know how she got anything to grow there between the sand and salt, but root vegetables might be the most savvy. Uh, just a content warning. It's about I'm going to say something about sexual violence, but I'm not going to get into it. Uh, call me postmodern, but my skin doesn't want to wear bruises and cheap labor. Accessibility is a term that makes sense in some instances and not in others, like rape, for example. I wouldn't use that term when talking about rape, however, mo- postmodern. Mornings, they're good to be alone, and that's not very romantic of me. I'm drinking three day old coffee that has become very acidic. I know nothing of caffeine other than the fact that I'm stubborn. Why is it that love reminds us of all that we've lost? It's corny, but it doesn't make it less true, and the question is steeped in rhetorical relation. It's so early, but we must take out the trash and put it somewhere else. Maybe, maybe we talk so far into the future because we're already starting to fall out of love. Could that be true, or am I just less interesting with earplugs? A smoothie is waiting for me in the kitchen, unblended, and I believe that statement could be an opening line for Justin Trudeau.
1: <laughs>
3: and just like that, I think I might have ruined the writing. Written, the word us looks like verses. And maybe earplugs pl- were better, but damn, I just need one excuse. Today is thick and I wish it were balmy because at least as a word that's prettier and oh, oh to be a pretty lady. I'm not done writing you, but the coffee is gone and poverty and the blankets must be heavier in order for these days to pass along quickly. Maybe a walk would be good because its meaning would be to be without you and that is because of you, so fuck love is W-O-W. I'm grateful that probiotics make me gassy (laughs) because I need room for a few things and it's so early (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm crying and sitting in bed, that's so sad and it's perfect (laughs) but the blankets are misleading because my sweater I don't know where to begin but it seems a heck of a lot easier than a long-haired cat trying to clean itself. One more repeat of melancholy, and I'll go for the walk. It's clear this day requires more acidic. Acid plus thick could equal balmy, which might be romantic of me. Uh, it's horrible to find out that my love is so sad. Ha ha.
4: <laughs>
3: it's not, I don't think. Maybe. There's something fragile in looking at one another with worry about sleep crust. And I want to make a joke about gluten, but some things are not so funny. Are not. Aren't. Aren't looks like a Mi'kmaq name and so yet again I've been figured and fuck. I just want to hold on to things so I have something. Melancholic music and to be alone more. I'm on, I'm on the cell phone poverty plan. And that was it. For the fucking sun. I know. Because I looked up. You know, I think... I think the long-haired cat doesn't have it too bad, actually. And I'll have to shut off a few things to open a few others for this to really work. But I'd like to spend more time spreading my fingers across surfaces more. At least for now. Can small talk about cats be a dichotomy between love and tolerance? English is, but we're all feeling so shitty below this surface. Where I worry, like, your laptop should go over here or there, and I'm sure that religion, along with the rest, has no answers about this. And so when gum sweats, it has a smell, and I like the domesticity of worrying about where to put your fucking laptop. (laughs) I'm lost on what's important, and it's not that anything is or is less, but I promised alcohol wouldn't kill me, so I can and can never go home. Furniture. Couch. I must say, I'm a wee bit jealous because touch. There's wine and beer, and when I miss my mouth, I blame it on either a small mouth or being silenced, which is really just the same thing. Look up Urban Dictionary or whatever. (laughs) Seriously though, my mouth is legit genome so small, some sci-fi, teepee, wormhole, wig bomb shit. And I, again, want to say, please don't try to make any sense of this. I don't even know. (laughs) But anyway, I'm, I'm next to a heap of lawnmowers and it makes me put tin to my mouth and forget what belongs to who. I'm really just drinking a trigger warning. And so cooth And so culture. And so happy hour without the 2018 emojis. Words are nice. But sometimes all I want is to be touched with full palm and genuine. So I'm saving up for six months worth of contacts. And solution. When indigeneity doesn't autocorrect and is underlined in red, it feels good. I think I'd like to say that one more time. When indigeneity doesn't autocorrect and is underlined in red, yeah, it feels good. <laughs> Thanks. I hope, I hope that wasn't a clap to get me off the stage. Because i got a wee bit more to go, not too much. Because no. I've got a little bit more to talk about coaches. Because I think it's awkward round. And I don't know if anyone else notices this, but there's never enough Tupperware looking ahead is near about the same as holding a mirror up to your vagina there's no real certainty about anything except prisms (laughs) speaking of which so much of loss comes from being taken it's not there so what is it then to let go of loss an ethnobotanist Or maybe Justin Trudeau would tell you to put on a sweater and go back to mundane bed in the Tupperware. But I'm like okay yeah sure but why though did what most of what is supple get slightly more firm? Just couch touch because ethno got no satisfaction. See, when you let a house fly crawl on you, it's like you're letting yourself be already dead. And probably why most of us hide our faces when we lick and suck our fingers of chip seasonings at the back of the bus. And why the beer is so god-good. And yeah, yeah, I might be sentimental. And yeah, I might have taken three shits today. It's 2018. Dogs piss on the smell of stigma. They piss on whatever they want, really. So, how we got here makes a lot of sense. The beer is so god good. And there's no consent form to indigeneity. And I think, well, fuck. Well, fuck. So, I think couch touch we can confirm is probably an undergraduate degree by now, and, and, uh, and your eyes are bloated with lust and wow, so touch me already. See, love lands in the way simple things can be pleasurable. Every story needs a little love, right? So here we go. There's this mirror in my house that's so stark and serious. I wish the crows and seagulls would just land already. Laughter in the sky come down. Sometimes I get so overwhelmed the only thing to comfort me is a soup ladle and there are so many types of soup ladles. Personally, maybe on a practical level, a domestic level. I prefer the silicone one because they can get well into the sides of things. I like the way you can press hard and imagine them still soft touch against surfaces. Isn't that a gross simple pleasure? Cheesy even. But I mean it. Because this has nothing to do with surfaces or silicone but about making thread of bone and tying it to your fingers so you remember who has ever loved you and to always always make goodbyes slow even when you're domestically rushing see i'm intoxicated with the buying of the second toothbrush The way jewelry fragments get left on sink counters and bedside tables and the way pillows begin to. The way sheets, towels begin to. Clothes, home, begin to. Wood chimes clank together the way knees of mothers and fathers bend. The way every moment is a beginning of something and an annotation to something else every day is a book unbound, banal and certain. And the thing is, I'm a native woman. And sometimes, that scares the shit right out of me. I don't mean to be so obvious, but I'm a native woman. And there is nothing banal about that. And there's nothing certain about that either. It feels good. It feels really good when indigeneity doesn't auto correct. Thanks.
0: final performer of the evening was Shazia Hafiz Ramji. Her first book of poems is Port of Being. The book is about surveillance, migration, addiction, and other dark things. And poems from it have been shortlisted for awards and recently appeared in Best Canadian Poetry 2018. Here's Shazia.
5: That's a really hard act to follow. Thank you everybody for being here and for listening and Cole for having us. You guys are all glowing right now. I don't know if it's cause you're drunk. <laughs> 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 um, I'll read about three or four poems maybe. And the first one is called Secret Playground. And um, I wanna dedicate it to everybody whom I didn't get to know. Um, who helped me through my recovery from uh, drug and sex addiction. Secret Playground. I didn't tell you of the hands that led the internet cable into the sea. That they were brown, or that I was thinking of rows of royal blue binders in a hospital in Afghanistan. Records of amputations from drone strikes. I saw this on TV, as in, my laptop, torrents, Netflix. It doesn't make sense to ask if words will ever stop failing me, but I want to ask it. What does it take for a three-year-old who lived on M&M's and barely escaped the Gulf War to call the first part of her life simulacra? I didn't tell you, because I still don't believe it. In Toronto, I read a poem about another part of my life, one I still find hard to believe when I'm not with myself. A stranger asked me afterwards, are you really clean though? I was. I hadn't done any drugs. I couldn't believe his guts, but I did. Because I smiled and nodded as if I'd just signed him a check. Then I cut my phone with both hands and bowed my head as if to say, Someone's calling me, and I have to go, as if in fear, as if in thanks. Oh, I should have given a warning that I'm going to bring the mood down. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's called Your Face, My Sleep. Does anyone use a sleep cycle app? Yeah. Yeah, it records your breathing as you're sleeping and it measures how deeply or how shallowly you sleep. And this one's called Your Face My Sleep. The free version of my sleep cycle app tells me I haven't had the amplitudes as sleepers, that I haven't had them for weeks since you started sending me dick pics from LA. (laughs) If I paid, I might know more about what comes alive, the people whose faces I see as I fall asleep and catch in waking. They're doing what you and I call nothing. They're on the street. They're at their desks. They're floating. They're flashes, as if there is a shutter inside me. And I know how this sounds. It sounds like the eye as camera lost in a time scholars might call modernist. What that means is parts missing, displaced, of course, but also arousal in asking to see your face. For Sean. (laughs) (laughs) This one's called Poem Beginning with Falsehood. I imagine you jerking off to parts from Society of the Spectacle. Your face lethargic, like after smoking a bowl on a Wednesday. In my bed, in red sheets stained, with somebody else's cum. I feel good, I feel fantastic. Lying in bed with someone else. Lying in bed, lying to myself. An autotune track that does not end. Even when you cry and watch me make the mistake of thinking, I can outthink everything. Now I want to say, I've got Marcuse, I've got Deleuze. Now I want to say, I feel like Michael Fassbender's character at the end of Shame, when he looks at the person on the train, then looks away. Even then, I imagine touching myself while you're in my bed and your eyes are closed and wet. That is also for Sean. You can tell we had a lot of problems, right? (laughs) (laughs) Cole, I've also been thinking of the mortality of my parents, and I wrote this poem while I was shopping at Walmart with them on Sunday. (laughs) For my mom and dad, not for (laughs) Sean. (laughs) A Parents' Poem. I've organized my desktop and done my work for today. I have no obligation to be anywhere. I eat a Milky Way in my bed, listen to Sade, and wait for the foghorns at 3 a.m. I'm happy and alone. Why do I want to see the world like parents who look at any kid and see their own? making faces to usher the forgetting of pain. It's not that I want to be a parent. When I go to another city, I lie to my company and visit a mall to look at people who live in that place, who choose to meet there. It makes me small, sad, and comforted, like waiting in line for my parents at Walmart on a Sunday as they finish whatever it is they do, when they look for a new gadget or pillow. And I roll my eyes, half playing the part of the pissed off kid, as they buy me chocolate and bubbles, even though I'm almost half their age and they've just finished complaining about money. Gotta love our parents, right? Um, I want to read a poem that's also a little bit of a downer. (laughs) Fun times. That's why Cole put me last. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this one's called Conspiracy of Love, and it's dedicated to people who have experienced depression and addiction. And I made up the title from another poem by Anne Michaels, and the epigraph goes, You love like a conspirator against everything that has power to defeat us. Conspiracy of love. The problem with trying to one up yourself is not that you might die by your own hands, but that you'll be able to justify why without feeling anything. When you're in withdrawal alone in your bed, the salt from the sweat pressed on the mattress was testimony to what you allowed. Quote, I am Satan because I deal in language, unquote. Happy Halloween. (laughs) 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 The next day you'd stop shaking. You went to work secular and clean. There were no other addicts and you didn't speak. You know that lies look beautiful, unified, all parts clicking together, lighting up your eyes. They're old technology, made new, sleek and gleaming in crevices, like fog rolling around Renfrew. And you're awake today to see it, because you've been brave. You've noticed your friend has listened and told you very boring things, not dismissed them as errands. This is the task you will have to do soon enough, remembering all the ways your mind moved, to write yourself into a poem you want to call Conspiracy of Love. When the guy from Tinder said hi to you in school, it didn't strike you that he might know you from the internet. You didn't remember who he was, not even when he called you by your fake name. All you thought was, quote, I can't do this again. I want to be clean. I want to be Shazia, If you end this poem here, it might make sense, but we both know this kind of work is a cult. So you have to ask me, how do you want to finish this poem? You have to leave it there. That way, at least it's not about you anymore. Thanks, everyone. I'll read the last one. And this one is one that many of my friends have heard, but I feel the need to read it again. It's called Astronaut Family, and it's for my friends who left Vancouver because they could no longer afford to live here. Fun times. (laughs) Please, I'm sure the bar has some special deals that you can drink away, all your worries. Astronaut Family. Growth and development sounds like something my mom used to worry about when I was little. Now I say it when applying for grants. <laughs> I was doing that today. Before that, one of my favorite dead people told me that it begins with language. Since then, I found lots of dead friends saying the same thing in different ways. It was once my mom's, then mine, then mine through the words of others, are now the words of the forthcoming Lululemon on Hastings Street. Escala Luxury Homes in Burnaby. This is the quality of dust. It filters through us because we're made of it. The language, I mean. My friends know it too when they land in LA, Montreal, New York. No wonder we bought New Balance before parting ways, making excuses for the comfort worn by our grandparents. This is the quality of dust. It takes us dancing into houses and galleries until six in the morning. It keeps us here. This expensively repressed sympathy in sneakers and secret locations that separate us. Like when I message you on Facebook and it's three in the morning, but seven for you, but you gotta go cause you're writing a condo ad for work, even in Brooklyn and Toronto. Even though it started here, where we began to love each other. And I think that we still do because we come back every summer and the smiles come increasingly quick, which is not to say that we're eager to meet or that this is a sudden light of friendship, but more than this, this is the construction of an act of love. I think that's all, thank you so much.
0: Hello again. I just wanted to let you know that the show has ended. Thanks to all the storytellers, the Ashley Shadow Band, Delito for having us, Matt Crisco for recording us, No Fun Radio for playing us, and you, dear listener, for listening. We'll leave you with Ashley Shadow's Blurred Views.
4: Blurred Views Squint your eyes Walk back through this alone switch the change